We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. to another episode here of setting the pace it's offseason time where we're talking about the pacers free agent acquisition of bruce brown jr Fachi. someone we brought up in our top 10 list you thought he might not be a realistic option then rumbling started happening right before free agency started i had him at number four on my list because i love the way he plays think he fits in perfectly here and bada bing bada boom sign him to a two-year 45 million dollar deal what were your initial thoughts leading up to the Bruce Brown rumors before we get to the actual signing? Yeah, you know, you had him on your list. I thought there'd be a lot of teams that had interest in Bruce Brown. So I just felt like, oh, you know what? Someone else will probably snag him. Sure, he could play the three, but we have other guys at that 2-3 spot. But look, I was interested. Wasn't 100% banging on the table like for like an OG or a DeAndre Hunter via trade. But this team finished last season 29th at points per game lap. 26 in defensive rating. I was interested in any way we could to improve defensively. And that's what the front office made a priority. So given that this is someone who you know, guards wings very well, 
brings a championship mentality. I felt, hey, you know what? This is someone who instantly makes the Pacers better. I'm here for it. I will say this. When I kept hearing about Max Drews of the Pacers, I was trying oh, to talk myself into it. I, I was like, I was like, okay, this guy shot really well in the regular season, but in the playoffs, he was kind of not there shooting-wise, numbers-wise. It was just not there. I said, I really like Bruce Brown better. I, I think yeah. that you're getting a better defender. You're getting a guy that makes a little bit more sense, higher basketball IQ, can do a little bit more defensively, can do more offensively in terms of cutting and that kind of stuff. Yeah, he's a little bit small, but I was like, okay, I like the idea of this. But then what really sold me on this idea, Fachi, was the moment Harrison Barnes re-signed with the Sacramento yep. Kings. I truly feel like that's who the Pacers' number one target was in free agency because of his ability to play the three and the four, mm-hmm. his ability to bring championship you know, uh, uh, resume to the team, yeah. winning one with Golden State, having a great culture that he just set in Sacramento with Mike Brown, like just bringing that over, good connection with everybody. But when they re-signed him in Sacramento, I thought, okay, the Pacers now have to pivot. And they need to add defensive guys that can come in here. And look, Bruce Brown Jr. is short. He's only like 6'4", I think. So, yeah, he is more of a guard, but he can play defense so well that he can guard one through three. Now, he's not going to be able to guard fours and fives, but we've seen him in the playoffs be able to do that kind of stuff. So I was very excited about adding him on here. Now, I knew the Pacers had a little bit of an advantage knowing they had 30-plus million dollars in cap space to outbid teams that could give him the full mid-level around $12 million. So I knew we were going to have it there, but it was just one of those things where I'm like, why would he want to come here? We'll talk about that a little bit later, but I was trying to put my mind like, yeah, you want to get paid, but like you get the full mid-level for three to four years and another team that has a chance to win a championship. Why come to Indiana? But hey, you know what? Money talks at the end of the day, Fachi, and that's what that's what we found out. Oh, money tends to be very loud. And for a guy like Bruce Brown, who had made about $15 million total in his career, getting the mid-level $12.4 million starts at that was a really good offer for him because I think the Nuggets could only offer him about $7 million and change. So it was like, you know what? He's probably leaving Denver. He's going to have suitors. Hmm. Okay. The Pacers have an opportunity here where they could probably get him for more than what the other teams are. And that's what it'll take. But how much more? That's what we really didn't know. And it felt like this ain't going to be $12.4 million in the mid-level exception. It's going to be more than that. So we had to wait to see what those figures might be. But when they started talking about Max Struess for, I think it was like four years, 63 million or something like that, I really didn't have interest. Mm-hmm. And when you mentioned about Harrison Barnes, Pacers pulled a quick UE on that to say, all right, we got to turn ourselves in a different direction. And I think they did it real quick because this deal got done right about when free agency started. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if like, you know, the Pacers acquired Obi Toppin, obviously. We talked about that in the last episode. They get Bruce Brown here. If you put those deals together, you traded Chris Duarte. Yeah, you still got a little bit of room left in salary cap. But looking at what Harrison Barnes got, I think he got about $18 million per year yep. to re-sign with the Kings. If they would have been able to get him at 18, I think they still had about $15 million left in cap space to go out and get somebody else after the Duarte trade. So maybe they could have thought, okay, maybe Max Struess for 15, 16 a year. And those are your two targets to bring to this team. When he moves, you get Bruce Brown here. You do the one-year overpay, basically. And Obi Toppin's still on his rookie contract. It balances out a little bit, and you go a different route. And I think the route that ended up happening is better long-term for this team than maybe what their first options would have been to win right now. Because I think maybe you bring Harrison Barnes in and you bring in Max Strews versus Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin. Your ceiling might be uh, a little bit higher for this season. 
your floor is definitely higher. I think you have a better chance of winning more games if those are the two guys you bring in right away because they can contribute right away. But I think at the same point, I don't think it's that much of a drastic difference between the two players uh, that were all involved. They're all four players, whether it's Barnes and Shrews or uh, Bruce Brown and Obi Top. And I think that both guys can come in here and impact this team in different ways. So, yeah, I think that just knowing Harrison Barnes and what he can bring to the table and how he fits, yeah, you probably do want to – at least you feel more comfortable that you're going to win more games because of his ability uh, to just play basketball games at a high level and the experience that he has compared to Obi Toppin. So that to me is like the only reason I'm saying that you just get a little bit more experience in the front court, but at the same time, pivoting and going younger, is what a lot of fans wanted. So I was excited. The guy Bruce Brown, 26 years old, makes a lot of sense what this team wants to do. High basketball IQ can defend lights out. And we know that one thing that they wanted to address was defense. Well, this was a great person to go out there and get. No, it really was. And I guess shout out to the Kings who didn't even let us negotiate with Harrison Barnes. They signed him just before free agency started the night before three-year deal immediately started to sell myself on, well, I mean, three years and I only wanted to do two. So you know what? <laughs> I, I'm not even that interested. And inside it hurt a little bit, yeah. but at the same point, you know what? Who knows what the Pacers would have offered Harrison Barnes. Maybe they would have, offered him a, a big two-year deal knowing that they had to spend the money and, and something like that. The Kings didn't even let us have that opportunity to negotiate. And in the end, I, I think it all worked out. Just like you mentioned, the Pacers were able to strike a deal early. And Alex, we can get into that if you want right now on what the figures ended up being, because yeah. I think all of us were quite pleased with maybe the length of the deal. Yeah, so when we got the Woj bomb, it was the Pacers have agreed to a deal with Bruce Brown for two years, $45 million uh, total. And I thought to myself, that's a bit of an overpay for Bruce Brown, who was only going to get about 12 to $13 million on the books. Thought $22.5 million, that's not terrible. I wasn't like ever mad about the money. I was like, okay, it's only a two-year deal. Makes a lot of sense. He'll be off the books the same year as Miles Turner. And then all of a sudden, we find out shortly after, oh, that second year is a team option. And I'm thinking to myself, this contract is basically an expiring contract this year. And now the Pacers have this, who's a Bruce Brown can either fit in perfectly with this Pacers team and you pick up the option and you keep him long-term or he fits in. Okay. But he's used as a big trade chip moving forward. So I thought to myself, no matter how you look at this, this is a great contract to have on your books, great player to have on your team. And I hate to look at it from the asset side first, but I always kind of go that way because I don't believe Bruce Brown is a starting level player yet. He hasn't proven that. He's been proven more as a really reliable bench guy that can play starting minutes if he needs to, but his impact is going to be more of a sixth, seventh man on this Pacers team. So I think having that optionality with his contract to be able to move him around makes a lot of sense. So I, I love the deal. I could not believe that it was only a one year fully guaranteed. Yeah, I saw two years, $45 million. I went, whoa! I went, oh, man. I think I would have went up to $18 million per year. I was really hoping maybe, you know, four years, $60 million, if we're going to do that, be about $15 million average because we knew the Lakers were interested. We knew Dallas. I heard that Dallas was very much interested. So you had to outbid those teams. So I, I thought we could do it on a shorter deal. Uh, maybe it could have been two years, 36. Anyway, it ends up being two years, $45 million. I, I immediately I went, all right, it's more than what I wanted to spend, but we had to spend. So 
I knew that we could do that. And that's probably what it would take to outbid other teams because he was one of the most coveted free agents. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say, you know, maybe the, the, the best free agent available, but most coveted, he definitely is in that category. So I immediately started to say, okay, two years, contract aligns with Miles Turner, aligns with TJ McConnell's deal. All right, you know what? I see what the Pacers are trying to do. And then I, I started to get some of those texts overpaid for Bruce Brown. Like, you know, people started saying that. Started to be like, look, man, this is what it takes to get a player like that. We're trying to win. When we found out year two was a team option, everything changed. Immediately, I went to the Pacers front office. Oh, my God. They did it again. How did they preserve the books? If this doesn't work out, sure, whatever. We move on. Like you mentioned before, a trade ship at the deadline. Whew, there's so many different options they could go here. But for this guy to be able to come in and immediately be able to bring that championship experience, that's what we need on a Pacers team that is very inexperienced in the playoffs. A lot of these guys have never even played in the playoffs or they're too young to have you know been around the block. But mm. When I saw that Bruce Brown was immediately the highest paid player on the Pacers, <laughs> you know, you got to feel a little bit indifferent about it. But once I found out about that, that second year being a team option, it was smooth sailing at that point. I felt real good about it. Look at the guys that we had on our list that were above him. You know, Cameron Johnson resigns with the Brooklyn Nets for four for yep. 108, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Jeremy Grant signs five for 160 oh with Portland. God. Kyle Kuzma goes back to Washington on a four-year deal for a hundred and I think that was around eight. It's like one hundred two or so. Yeah, hundred and two for four years. Like so, you're talking about overpays and long contracts, which was our biggest fear. Yes, with a lot of these players. Like that's why Harrison Barnes been the most sent sense to us because it could be on a short-term deal. And we've been hearing the names the Pacers have been rumored to, like a Tobias Harris or you know uh, Gordon Hayward was a name fans threw out there. Yep. But a lot of these contracts were expiring contracts. Well, you basically just do that with Bruce Brown, but at a much reasonable, much more reasonable price around $22.5 million. So yeah, it, it made a lot of sense to go this route and not overpay for someone when you still are trying to figure out what you want to do with your roster and continue to build it, because this is an unfinished roster by far. This is a roster that's still in the early stages of trying to establish itself. They've drafted Ben Mather and Andrew Nimhart. They traded for Halliburton. They just drafted Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard probably felt like going into this free agency, that's your five core guys moving forward. Miles Turner may be a part of that group. You know, he's not going anywhere now, but I'm saying long-term, he could be a free agent in two years and could walk. So you just kind of have to pump the brakes a little bit on that because at least, you know, the other guys you got under team control for quite a while. So that's how you have to look at this with who you're building roster-wise. But you throw in a guy like Bruce Brown, it just makes a lot of sense. So, um, you know, what do you think ultimately led to him picking the Pacers over a team, like you mentioned, Dallas, LA, going back to Denver, like those teams give him more of a real chance to win a championship again, where the Pacers probably don't. You talked about money talks. Well, money sings, Alex. And this is a guy that had made $15 million combined in five seasons. Mm. And we gave him more than that in just year one. Yeah. So he's probably betting on himself as well to say, hey, if I'm the player that I know I am, They'll bring me back. And if they don't, I could hit free agency again a year later or two years later instead of him potentially taking that, you know, non-taxpayer mid-level exception 
that tops out at, you know, close to $50 million over four years. So in this situation, I think it also did help that he did just win a ring. So if he was starving to win, I don't think he's maybe as hungry as some other players. He just got a ring. And you know what? He's still going to be able to hit free agency while he's still young compared to being able to hit free agency after four-year deal at basically 31 years old because his birthday is in August. So I think at this point, it's, it's a good situation for both parties. He can cash in again. For sure. Um, yeah, I would just say cue the Shane McMahon theme song because here comes, here the comes money. money. Money, 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 money. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's what it was all about. And you laid it out perfectly there. $15 million throughout his career to get 22 and a half in one year. It's just, that's exactly why he came here. And the Pacers knew that. Yeah. And they were able to work together. Like, this is how you make a partnership with someone. You take care of them. You give them the money they deserve because he's earned that money. I think he's probably been underpaid for the majority of his yes. career. So, yeah, I mean, do I think he's a $20 million player? No, I do not think no. that. He's probably around 15 to yes. be fair, especially in today's NBA. But at the same time, with this Pacers roster, the way it's uh, constructed, that's not that big of a deal. They can afford to do this right now and where they're currently at before Halliburton's extension kicks in. So, yeah, it's it's a great move by both player and team to come to this agreement. Pacers get a guy that can help them win, but isn't a long-term uh, isn't tied to them long term, and he gets a huge payday that he can cash in on maybe at the end of the year or whatnot. So I think this is great for them. But I'm curious now because his style of play. How do you think, Flachi, that this is going to fit in with the Pacers? Immediately, I had to go and read up and watch as much Bruce Brown highlights as I could. And here's the thing: I think he fits in very well with this team because he can take on that tougher defensive assignment in specific. So a guy like Benedict Matherin doesn't have to. We talked about earlier, he can guard positions one through three. Every now and then they'll claim he can guard fours based off of what we saw in the playoffs. But at six foot four, let's keep him on one through three. So uh, then also really good screen setter. Really good. I think that's going to help Tyrese Halliburton. Decent playmaker himself. Averaged about three and a half assists per game last year. That would rank fourth best on the Pacers. Really good player in transition. Likes to play with this fast pace with the Pacers. I think he's going to fit in great. Actually, a really good finisher in the paint. So I think that you're getting all of those qualities. But now let's go down to the more specifics. He managed to put up 160 more three-pointers in the previous year, where he shot about 36%. Previously, 40%. So, you know, hey, it averages out. This guy could be a pretty solid three-point shooter. But I dove into a little bit more specific. On the right-hand side, where you're talking about right-hand threes, corner threes, he was 63 of 130. That's good for 48% from three on the right-hand side. You got to like that. And at age basically about to be 27, he's entering the prime of his career while bringing that championship mentality that I mentioned earlier. Now, those are all great points. I mean, this guy has a high basketball IQ, knows how to cut at the right times, knows where to be at at the right times. And you know what? Playing with a guy like Nikola Jokic, who's a heliocentric type of player, it's so much easier to find the open lane because you know he's going to find you. Well, he's not on that same level anytime soon, but Tyrese Halliburton has a great basketball mind, Oh yeah, and he's always finding the open guy. I think that Bruce Brown is going to fit with that. I also like that Bruce Brown gets to play a little bit more up-tempo. Yeah, the Nuggets, they play up-tempo some, but they can also slow down on the half-court because they have Jokic. The Pacers are a team that likes to get out and run 
And I think you're going to see a lot of that from Bruce Brown Jr. He's going to be a guy that's ready to go and put it in the gear. And I think defensively, the versatility that he brings to this team. I mean, last year we relied so much on Nimhard and Nismith to do everything. Um, and they had their limitations, but I think Nimhard's going to be guarding the best player nine out of ten times in the starting lineup just because that's his that's his niche. And you bring him in there. I'd love to see a defensive lineup at some point this year of Nimhard, Bruce Brown Jr., Aaron Neesmith, and then Jairus Walker at the four and Miles Turner at the five. Oh, yeah. I think that could be just a huge shut this, you know, possession down end of a game type of thing, just because you have the ability there to do some things. And I'm sure we'll see that lineup at some point as well, that five-man combination. I think that could easily happen. So I would love to see those five just get up there and defend because I think that's your five best defensive players right now. Um, even though Jairus is just a rookie, I, I think that he's going to translate well to the to the NBA with his size and his body and everything. So I'm excited about that. I just feel like there's a lot of versatility with him. You can play him in a bunch of different positions, like one through three. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a backup point guard, but he could be an emergency point guard if you need him to play some of the point guard roles because uh, he's played point guard before. But he's more of a wing. He's more of a two or three. He's not going to be able to play like a, a three, four or a four at all. So that's just a little bit of a limitation there with him only being six foot four uh, and only weighing so much. But this guy is a competitor. He's a bulldog. He's tough as nails. Brings championship caliber to the team. I, I think that you're going to love everything about Bruce Brown. And I think he's just an infectious personality in a good way. I completely think so. And when you look at this Pacers team and the average age was around 23 last year. Yeah, he's just 27, but he immediately becomes a voice in the locker room, a veteran on this team where, you know, they don't have that many of them, obviously, especially if George Hill or James Johnson don't come back. That's two of your, you know, your more experienced players, we'll say. So I think Bruce Brown, that versatility that you talked about, fantastic. That five-man starting lineup, or five-man lineup, we'll say, not starting, yeah, um, with defensive capabilities is just night and day from last year. And it just fits everything that they mentioned of wanting to get better defensively. That's what they made the point of emphasis on. They're showing it. They're not just talking the talk. They're walking the walk. And for Bruce Brown to come in here hungry, knowing, hey, look, if it is just a one-year deal, I got to play my butt off to get another contract. That's what you want you want players paying playing for a reason not i just signed that four-year deal hey you know what i'm good to go nope well let's keep this going so i'm really excited for him to instantly help the pacers on the defensive end and you know that is a reasonable ask all right Fachi, is he starting or coming off the bench i think he's starting because you really do I, I do does he start all season i don't know but you make a guy the highest paid player on your team you probably want to bring him into the starting lineup I don't think that he has to start like a guarantee. Oh, yeah, you're that type of player that's achieved that. But I do think that the Pacers probably look to start him at the three and you have Matherin at the two. Or if it's vice versa, I think regardless, Bruce Brown's taking that defensive matchup on threes over Matherin. So at this point, I looked at he played about 29 minutes per night with Denver and he started about 31. I think it was 31 games last year that he started for them. You got to carve out at least 25 minutes per game. I do think he'll at least be in the starting lineup to start the year. Don't know if he finishes in the starting lineup. Yeah, I think I'm going to disagree with you on this one. Okay. I think he still comes off the bench. I think that at this point, with the way the roster looks, I think Buddy Hill's highest paid player on the team right now. Uh, no, it's, it's actually Bruce Brown. Well, I'm saying before this, before the signing happened. Oh, before this, it was going to be Turner. 
Yeah, and then uh, Buddy Buddy's, Buddy's deal lowers a little bit. It's about just under nineteen million. Yeah, so Buddy, the second highest paid player. Well, mm-hmm. he was coming off the bench. Yeah, right. So I, I think that we've talked about it. This young core. If 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 Nemar hadn't established himself as a starter last year, then maybe I could make the case for Bruce Brown starting over him. But I think that based on the chemistry that Nimhart and Halliburton have and having two playmakers out there, it makes a lot of sense to bring in an established guy like this off the bench who's very comfortable in that role in Bruce Brown. Yeah, you overpaid for him, but you did that to outbid other teams. It's not really about we value him over Matherin or Nimhart. I think they still value those guys long-term much more. So Bruce Brown and me is coming off the bench, um, maybe playing with McConnell, maybe playing with Nimhart and their minutes are staggered a little bit, maybe – Bruce Brown's the first guy off the bench, in my opinion. Uh, but I think putting him with Jairus Walker would be huge. Aaron Neesmith, like, talk about those three together on the defensive side for the second unit. That could be really good. But you have to figure out how to score offensively, too, with that group. So they're going to have to keep a score, which they could keep Buddy in that instance. So I'm just trying to figure out how they're going to stagger the minutes all together because we know um, we know Ben's a scorer. We also know that Tyrese likes to look for the scoring. Miles picked up his scoring as well. And I think Obi Toppin's going to be a guy that wants to put the ball in the hoop too. So, you know, I think there could be some cool rotations where maybe Obi comes out early with Nimhart and then they come back and kind of run the second unit together where it's kind of a a Nimhart Obi show a little bit. And Jairus maybe gets in there earlier, kind of like Ben did last year and plays more with Tyrese and Miles and Matherin to kind of give it their figure out. But we can talk about all that stuff later as the years go on, because we as the season goes on, because we're going to find out more about it. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Highest pay player. Maybe he does start and I can wear egg on my face if I'm completely wrong on that. But I definitely still believe that Nimhart has that spot locked down for now. I would be shocked if Carlisle punted on Nimhart in the starting lineup with how much he praised what he did last year. Carl obviously loves Nemhart, so do we, and I really want to make sure that Nemhart's progression is still a priority. Yeah. Because long term, we do see Andrew Nemhart here. Bruce Brown, we don't know if that's long term. Probably not even going to be two. It's definitely not past two years. You know, it might be one well, year. It could be. Could you be never know. They could pick up the team any, option. Yeah, but I'm saying past two. I years. know, but they could resign him after that too. Yes, anything could happen. You never know. But here's the thing. We'll put it at this. Um, Bruce Brown started 31 games for the Nuggets last year. Does he start more or less than 31 games for the Pacers? Man, I'm going to say less because Michael Porter okay. Jr. is not on the Pacers, and he dealt with injuries. I think Jamal Murray had quite a few injuries last year. Uh, well, he came back from injury. I think he was working his way in, so probably had some days of rest. Um, who else? The KCP was out there. I don't know how many games he played, but – I think with how oft injured Michael Porter Jr. is, that probably is why he played more as a starter and probably started 31 games. So I'm not overly concerned about him. What did he start in Brooklyn? Did he start a lot in Brooklyn as well? He started 45 games in Brooklyn out of 72 they played. So the majority. They needed him to start because of their roster. But I think with this roster, like he he knows going into it, like they've got a, a young core in that position he came into. I mean, he could. I mean, I could be completely wrong. And I'm just I'm just bullish, I guess, on the fact that I think they want to keep Nimhart, Halliburton, and Matherin together. Yeah. Um, but Because, you know, your point about Buddy coming off the bench, Buddy only came off the bench at the very end of the season. Well, but so, I think moving forward, though, he was not going to start this next season. I think Matherin oh, has yeah. got that spot. That's what yes. I'm saying. Yes. Not yes. at the not last year, but I'm saying in general, like moving forward, we know Buddy is going to have to accept a six-man role if he wants to be here, exactly. which he still could be. I'm not saying he's not going to be here, but he – could be moved. So 
I think there's still some stuff on the table there for the Pacers optionality wise that they want to do something else to consolidate. But I'm just saying, like, you're you're not starting Mather in the last 10, 12, whatever games it was of the season, and then saying, okay, you're back to the bench now. I think Matherin yeah. is Matherin a starter. Started. And I think Nimhard started all year when he was healthy. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Whenever they made that shift, yes. For sure, they, they, they took him out at one point, and then they put him back in. But regardless, I think that Matherin is definitely in the starting lineup. To be able to, to yank him for Bruce Brown would be a big mistake. I, I think Andrew Nemhard, then you could do that a little bit. But we like Nemhard in the starting lineup. You, you see, We see him here long-term. I'm fine with Bruce Brown coming off the bench because, let's be honest, had a good run. It's not like this is this all-star franchise-type player that you need to say, you're our starter. No, yeah. look, you, you paid him. He's going to be happy. He'll do whatever he asks at this point. This is quite a, he got the bag. Let's put it yeah. that way. Yeah. And I mean, let me just ask you this because we're going to, I'm going to change topics here a little bit, but you know, we found out about the Christy Duarte trade on Friday morning. Um, never really got it like solidified on what was coming back to the Pacers. Nobody else reported it besides we continued. Yeah. We're still waiting on that stuff. And maybe it comes out by the time you're listening to this, but when you heard that Duarte was going to be moved, did this signing of Bruce Brown at least make a little bit more sense? Absolutely. The second Duarte was moved. Okay, now we can bring in a guard because we heard about like, oh, you know, Max Drews, uh, Bruce Brown. And I was like, what? Like another guard? We just drafted another guard. And that didn't make that much sense with the current rosters. So it was like, at some point, they got to clean us up. We'd been saying that. We thought they were going to clean it up on draft night. They added to it. So it just felt like Duarte, we saw him left off the summer league roster. That started, you know, sparking the idea, well, maybe they just don't want him to get hurt. Or, you know what, maybe they felt like he's already, you know, two years in, a little bit older. I don't know. But in the end, they were going to move him. And that what's, that's what happened. We sure we're still waiting on that compensation package. Feels like an episode of a TV show where it's to be continued until the next episode. Like, we're left on a cliffhanger. What did we get for Chris Duarte? But the second that happened, that was the nail in the coffin right there of like, okay, you know what? Hey, move on. Bruce Brown's coming in. You know, this, this, it's over. So that yeah. completely justified this signing to me. Yeah. The day before the Chris Duarte trade to Sacramento, I will not lie. I did get uh, a tidbit from someone that there was a, a trade in the works for Chris Duarte to go to Golden State but it was not confirmed oh. what was coming back. So I reached out to a couple of different sources that I've made connections with and both shot it down and said, yeah, this isn't happening. So that's why I didn't say anything about it, but I thought, okay, keep an eye on Chris Duarte more than likely getting traded at this point though. If this is floating out in the ether, I'm sure the Pacers had conversations about Jonathan Kaminga. That was obviously reported by Jake Fisher and other people. So, you know, when I heard that Chris Duarte could be going to Golden State, I'm like, okay, is Kaminga involved in this trade? That'd be interesting to see what, uh, that looks like and the offseason's not over they could still do something that trade still has not been uh pushed through with the kings and and duarte and that kind of stuff so i mean never rule anything out but i'm just saying like i had heard that and i tried to get confirmation on it and both were shut down so i'm not running with that i'm just throwing that out there that that was something that people were talking about in the ether so uh when he went to sacramento i was kind of surprised i won't lie duarte going to that sacramento it caught me off guard because we just keep hearing these pacers sacramento uh connections and it's just like they like to trade with one another they've liked each other's players a lot and you know it's just it's just funny man but i think that the kings did a good job by getting duarte if it only took two second round picks take a flyer on a guy that was 13th overall pick and we saw how fantastic he looked next to domas so 
Um, makes sense for him. The Pacers trade him where he can go back to California where he was, uh, I think he lived out in California for a little bit during the summer, but we know he went to Oregon. So he's used to the West coast and, you know, get a breath of fresh air, an opportunity to be a little bit more involved and the Pacers can try to figure out how they're going to find minutes for everybody. Because uh, when we talked to Derek Murray on the podcast before I left for my vacation or for the wedding I was at, he said, yeah, he said, I think one or two guys could be moved to let Ben Shepard get some playing time. So if you put speculation out there, that's probably who he was talking about in terms of Chris Duarte. Yeah, and that was one of the things we talked about when Ben Shepard was drafted. It, was, it felt like he was the Duarte or Buddy Heald replacement, you know, Although. in the making. Like, <laughs> exactly. So for Duarte, I feel like this is something where, yeah, the Kings did probably got us on this one. But the Pacers had to make a move. They had to clean up the rotation. They needed more than one roster spot. And, you know, they got a good relationship with Sacramento, apparently. I mean, this is, I, I tweeted out that, you know, KP in the front office, they've now dealt with a few teams more than once. Yep. The Kings, Milwaukee, Phoenix. Uh, I, I think they did two deals with, with Brooklyn in the past. So it just feels like those are kind of our trade partners. And maybe the Kings look at this deal similar to how we look at it for the Obi Toppin deal, where it's like, hey, this is someone who was really good their rookie year. He was all all rookie second team and you know was pushing for first if he didn't get hurt. And one bad year, and you know what? He could very well be a good player in Sacramento. I'm sure Pacer fans will say, ah, you know, we gave up on him too early. But there wasn't that opportunity to give him that playing time to get his value back up while yeah. we're trying to win. So it is what it is, guys. I'm always going to root for Duarte it, for the rest of his career because it was fun. It was fun while it lasted, but First game when you bring in twenty seven points opening night, yeah, you know, I mean that was that was magical. But <laughs> at this point, you bring in Bruce Brown. Come on, who's going to help you a little bit more short term? I think it's going to be Bruce Brown, Moses Moody. Yeah, I know. I, I if this, <laughs> if anything, if you thought you were over that, trading him for two second round picks definitely opened oh, up that man. wound. Uh knife to the heart. No, I'm kidding. I mean. Yeah, I, I, I do tweet about it still just because I really wanted Moses Moody here. Like, that's how big of a fan I am and, and was at the time. But, you know, it's just like if it hadn't been like so many Pacer fans wanting Moses Moody, like I know people had had Moses Moody. Like I was one of them in like the top six, seven in terms of like player yeah. rankings. So for him to like fall to 14 and Duarte be the pick because they wanted to win now, that's why you should never draft or win now players in the lottery. I'm never. sorry. Like. Nope. Jairus Walker is a win now guy, but he's also a guy that's 19 and has a huge ceiling. Exactly. Now that's 24 year old. Don't draft 24 year olds in the lottery if we've learned anything. I mean, sorry, but that's just, you cannot roster build that way. Even if you think he's the best talent on the board, like, okay, like you got to project a little bit at that point. Trey Murphy, the third was taken 17th overall in that draft. And I know a lot of people pushed back and said, man, if we got him instead, it's like, well, nobody was really talking about Trey Murphy. It wasn't like that that at the time. Yeah, It was Moody versus Duarte. That was the conversation. So I'm not going to like go down that rabbit hole, but um, yeah. So overall though, I think that it made a lot of sense, but with that being said, my final thoughts on Bruce Brown, it's like, this is honestly a great way to spend the money that you have. Move your optionality down the line. Money-wise, you got Halliburton coming on this max, max extension next year. Uh, so the 23-24 season, it'll still be the final year of his rookie deal. But in 24-25 is when that max rookie extension kicks in. So he won't be making that $35, $40 million, whatever, whatever it is, until the 2024-2025 season. So next year, he's still making the final year of his rookie deal. So that's why it made a lot of sense to get some guys in here that – 
aren't going to be here long-term potentially. Uh, take a risk, see what you got. But Bruce Brown, I think, is going to fit in perfectly with this culture, with this system, with this team. And he's going to get uh, he's going to get the opportunity to prove himself, Fachi. And I think he makes his team better. It raises their, uh, raises their floor immediately and potentially maybe raises their ceiling. Letter grade, what do you got? Yeah, I'm giving it an A. I think that the fact that they got a team option on it, I'm not going to give it an A plus because you still had to pay him $22.5 for this year and aid into a lot of your cap space. But yeah, I'll bid the other teams by doing it. You keep it on a short one-year one deal with a team option for the next. Honestly, this was a slam dunk move by Chad Buchanan. I think he dunked on every other GM out there that didn't have the cap space to do it. Uh, so Laker fans, you know, we're going to be seeing trades left and right with Buddy Miles and now Bruce Brown going to the Lakers for Ruby Hachimura and some chump change. And that's going to be fun to see for the next couple of months. But yeah, we're not giving you Bruce Brown Jr. either. So Laker fans, you know, you can keep one in our Pacers guy, but Chad Buchanan, yeah, he's just coming through. He's looking like Vince Carter at the Olympics dunking on that guy. Yep. Look, I, I'm going to give it an A2. Here's the thing. My initial thought, eh, do I go A minus? And then I went, no, because here's the thing. That team option, the second year, it's brilliant. It really is. And the Pacers at one point had the second most or third most cap space available. It was the perfect time to use it. That's when you overspend. With the new CBA, the Pacers had to spend at least 90% of their salary cap in order to assure the luxury tax split at the end of the season. You think the Pacers were going to give that up? No shot. No. So, like I mentioned before, look, is he an all-star? No, he's not. Is he one of the top players in this free agency class? Eh, you can make an argument. Maybe not, you know, big name like a Fred Van Vliet who got a max contract. Or Jeremy Grant who signed for $160 million. Does this signing make the Pacers better? Yes. Helps on the defensive end. Did you somehow managed to keep the books squeaky clean to have all flexibility moving forward. Somehow you did. And for that, that is an A. And I, I just could not believe that the Pacers were able to pull that off because there could have been a scenario where it's like a three-year deal and you're still happy with it. Maybe the third year's a team option. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, I could live with that. Nope. The Pacers somehow did it. This, this trade, I mean, not this trade, this signing could end up being a trade. It could end up working out. Whatever it is, the Pacers can still wait for that next home run guy to be available and be able to go after him in a time when not many teams can. This has probably been the most exciting offseason we've had since the broad oh, yeah. TJ Warren trades and getting Jeremy Lamb. Like, I know every Pacer fan was excited about that. I think if Oladipo had been healthy, that yes. team would have been a lot better. So, you know, I think overall, though, like you're getting players that don't have long injury histories and that kind of stuff. You're getting guys that make a lot of sense and fit this team. So uh, overall, I'm really excited. And then just to kind of close this one out, um, I want to thank everybody for the love and the support on Twitter for, you know, me sharing this information a little bit early uh, before Woj gave us confirmation on everything. Um, I don't usually try to report stuff, but I got a tip that this was happening. So I put it out there and it, it came to fruition about 15 minutes later from Woj with the contract details. And I got a lot of messages and comments and I didn't get back to everybody. I was super busy over the weekend, but if I didn't get back to you, I wasn't trying to ignore you. I just want to say thanks everybody for the love and the support. It was really awesome. Super cool moment to see Alex. You deserve it. You're working really, really hard putting in the work. That was just awesome to see you get that type of recognition. And just like Alex said, I want to thank everybody also because 
you guys all know what we've been through for the last couple of years, like the highs and lows. And, you know, sometimes the lows have been pretty low. But now this, what we just saw over the last few days of bringing in Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin and drafting Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard, like, this is what we've been waiting for, guys. This is such an exciting time to be a Pacer fan. And Twitter was exploding to the point where, Elon Musk had to shut us off. I think there was a little <laughs> thing where he had to calm down Pacer Nation because we were going that wild. And I feel like we got Summer League coming up. That's going to be like the little appetizer to keep us busy until the regular season. But, man, there is so much to like about this squad that we have that it makes what you and I do, Alex, being able to cover this team on this show, it makes it just a blast. I'm having so much fun right now. Absolutely, yeah. It wasn't Dame Lillard asking for a trade from Portland. It was the Pacers acquiring Obi freaking top, and that broke Twitter, everybody. Let's just claim it right here, right now. New York Nation could not handle the Pacers. Once again, just owning them. I mean, this was like Roy Hibbert blocking Carmelo Anthony. Yes, it was. The Pacers getting this deal done. So, uh, yeah, if you missed that episode, you listen to this one first. Make sure you go check out that episode when we recorded before this one where we talked about Obi Toppin. So two fresh episodes for you on a Sunday night, Monday morning, coming your way, ladies and gentlemen. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. But Fachi, go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace of Pacers podcast, where you can hear us talk about all things Indian and Pacers on all of our videos. And if you haven't already, subscribe, like the videos, comment. We will respond to those comments as well. And if you haven't already, please give us a five-star rating and review on Apple or Spotify because every positive rating helps us get more recognition. So, Faji, if you're excited to see Bruce Brown Jr. put on a Pacers uniform and work like a dog, then hit me with those three words. Let's go, Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team, we gon' need a mop. Smooth. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.